Uh, I'm, I'm Tim O'Connor, and I'll be reading this morning Psalm 139, uh, a psalm of David, King of Israel. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God! How vast is the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? and abhor those who are in rebellion against you. I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we're almost to the end of this series on the Psalms. As a matter of fact, we have two weeks after this one. Um, and the last week of this series, uh, our preacher will be Scott Ketro. I saw him back there somewhere. Yes, Scott. Uh, he'll be talking about Psalm 150. It'll be a great way to end this series. But let me remind you of something that I have said along the way. It's certainly at the beginning. When you read the Psalms, it's unlike reading any other part of the Bible because it's, it's qualitatively unique compared to, say, the Gospels or the epistles of Paul. Just altogether different. It's routinely referred to as poems or songs. So you approach the text differently. You also realize when you read the Psalms that there's all kinds of Psalms. It's like it expresses all the human emotions of the heart. There are psalms of praise. There are psalms of lament. There are psalms of confession. There are psalms of complaint, just straight up complaint to God. 
They're psalms that are declarative. They just say things about God. They're psalms that are kingship or royal in their orientation. Next week, we'll look at one of those. But this psalm, as we noted last week, is different. Different in a different way. You may remember this. Psalm 103, we heard the psalmist talking not to God or to an audience, but actually talking to himself. In this psalm, unlike some other psalms, it is absolutely intimate in its language, at least through the first 18 verses. The psalmist doesn't use lofty theological language or categories to describe what he's about to say. He doesn't say God is omniscient, God is omnipotent, God is omnipresent. All those things are in here, but he doesn't say that. Instead, he just integrates those ideas into a personal narrative of God's love. In keeping with the essential genre of Psalm 139, I would like to suggest that we might consider this psalm, again, the first 18 verses, with three parts. First, God knows you. God knows you. That's verses 1 through 6. The psalmist said, Lord, you've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. That would include what's going on in my head. That would include my motives. That would include my thoughts when nobody else could see them. You know me that deeply, God. Sometimes my wife will call me out for an attitude that is expressed not with words, but with, I don't know, the voice. And um, sometimes she's wrong, but most times she's right. Um, it reminds me of something just this week that a person who's close to me said to me. Uh, he said, Bob, when you address that person, he was talking about a particular person, your voice changes. It's like, really? Yeah. The question he was really asking me was, why does your voice change? Is there something there? It, here's the point. God knows exactly how we feel and think, and he could sense it all. He knows us inside and out. Sometimes we say something like, oh, I didn't mean that. And what we really mean is I didn't mean what to say that I actually meant, right? But God knows us inside and out. He knows our thoughts. He goes on to say, you know when I sit and when I stand, which is just pretty much all of life. You know when I travel far away. You know when I'm at home. You know all that I do. Your eye is always on me. So, stop right there for a moment. How does that make you feel? Does it make you feel terrified? Does it make you feel naked and seen? What's your reaction to it? 
You know what's so interesting to me? It seems like the reaction of the psalmist is delight. He doesn't express terror that God knows him inside and out. He expresses delight that God knows him inside and out. So some of you know the happy news. Anyone has talked to my wife who knows the happy news. We had our first grandchild. Um, And that's really a great celebration. Uh, His name, by the way, is Theodore Edward Whitaker. And we're told that we need to call him Teddy. So we're complying. That's Teddy. My, My point is this. My grandson, Teddy, is at the stage of life that he is not troubled by his parents' presence. It doesn't matter how he's acting, what he's doing. He is absolutely at ease with the gaze of his parents. As a matter of fact, he doesn't want to get away from the gaze of his parents ever. He wants to be near them all the time as infants do. I want to tell my son and daughter-in-law, enjoy it, because by the time they're teenagers, they're not going to want to be around you anymore, right? Um, the, The point is, an infant is absolutely thoroughly seen by his parents, and that infant takes delight in it. Why? Because the infant feels love. Overwhelming love. And deep knowledge linked with overwhelming love is pure delight. That's why the psalmist lays this litany out there concerning how God knows us inside and out. And some of us are terrified, but he says in effect, don't be terrified. Be delighted. Because the one who knows you inside and out loves you more than you could ever imagine. You place your hand on me, he says. Your blessings on me are too wonderful for me to even express. So first, God knows you, verses 1 through 6. Second, God surrounds you, verses 7 through 12. I can't escape you. Even if I were to go to the heavens or to go to the grave, I can't get away from you. You're always around me says the psalmist. In the ancient world, they had a three-tiered view or worldview of the world. There were the heavens, there was the earth, and there was under the earth. So that's the expression going on here. I can't get away, no matter if I'm there, here, or down there. You're all around me, all the same. We, we got a song that we sing sometimes, and uh, Adam was kind of irritated with me this morning. Because he said, if you'd have told me about it earlier, we would have sung it today. I just forget things or I remember them when I'm looking at the text. It's a song called Canyons. Remember this one? I've scaled the highest of mountains. I've stood on the edge of their peaks. But I still couldn't see the edge of your love for me. I've walked on the wildest of waters. I've sunk to the depths of the sea. And then the chorus, canyons wide, oceans deep, can't contain 
all your love for me. No matter how high or far I reach, there's no end to your love for me. I don't really know the uh, composer of that song, but I'd be willing to wager a bet. He was thinking of Psalm 139. I can't get away from you. He uses another poetic description of what he's trying to say. He says, I can't get away from you. Even if I were on the wings of the dawn or the farthest away ocean. Now, again, in an ancient worldview, you can't get that far or that far. It just keeps going. You don't know where it goes. No traveler has ever been where the dawn of the sun is. They didn't understand the globe the way we do. All they knew is from the furthest part where the sun rises and the furthest part where the sun sets, your love is that wide and beyond. He goes on to say this, even the darkness will not hide me because darkness is like light to you. The, the effect of that statement needs to be reoriented too, I think, for us, right? Because we have artificial light. And there, there's places in the deepest darkness that we can light up as if it's daylight. So we don't experience the same thing the first readers were experiencing. They understood deep darkness. I referred to this years ago, but I remember the first time I ever understood deep darkness. My family had taken us to Mammoth Cave, and we had descended deeply into the cave, and there's lights all throughout the cave, and you can see these wonderful formations. And, and then the guide said, now I want you to stand perfectly still. Please do not move, because we're going to turn off the lights. And he said, when we do that, don't move. Just take your hand and put it in front of your face at your nose and see if you can see anything. I have never felt such thick darkness at age 12. I was overwhelmed. I thought, surely there's a way to see something. Maybe if I keep my eyes closed long enough and then open them, I'll... Nothing. The psalmist says, that kind of darkness is not dark to you. It's light as the noonday sun. That's how you can see. Even the darkness won't hide us. It, it's a reminder that goes beyond the darkness and light. I mean, um, the point is, of course, that God can see everything. And our technology that we're so advanced in now that we can see things even in the dark, like with night vision goggles, I, I think God just smiles and says, yeah, glad you caught up. I can see it all along. We're kind of like those 1970s kids, right, compared to God. I'm talking about the 1970s kids like me who had walkie-talkies. We thought it was so cool. We could talk to someone even though we couldn't see them. God just smiles. Glad you're there. I've been there all along. The third part of the psalm that I want to emphasize is verse 13 through 18. God made you. God knows you. God surrounds you. 
and a reminder, God made you. He knit me together in my mother's womb, says the psalmist. You know, there, there is a biological explanation for that. I get it. But the explanation here is not biological. The explanation here is more inclusive and holistic and expansive. Apart from the details of the biological explanation, God says, I transcend all of that. I see everything. I know everything. It actually was me that allowed you to be shaped in your mother's womb. It's, it's not contrary to science. It transcends science and gives it deep, deep meaning. As a matter of fact, scientific understanding of our bodies and our world, it ought to lead us to praise of God because we know so little and all the little we know, he knows more. And all the little we know, fascinating as it is, he's known it through all eternity and he's the author of all of it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, the psalmist says. Put it succinctly, the psalmist is saying about himself, uh, about himself and about every one of you. You are not an accident. From the very time you were conceived, you were mine. And I knit you together. You are beautiful. Please embrace the beauty that I see. The whole process of uh, your birth and mine was visible to the eyes of God. Okay, I promise not to do this all the time just because I'm a grandfather now. Um, But couldn't help but think of this. Those amazing things called sonograms, which have advanced quite a bit. We, we saw Teddy for the first time. Um, and my son sent us the picture, and we were all happy about it and all that kind of stuff. And, and then he texted and he said, but he, he just looks like a tree frog. <laughs> so before he came out and got his name, we called him Tree Frog Baby. Um, it, But the point is, every step of the way with the sonogram, they show you more, they see more, they understand more. The point of God is he already saw it. He's understood it from eternity. He sees through everything. He sees through the development. It is so beautiful. Everything about me, every day that I live... He says those days were ordained and written in his book before any of them came to be. I don't want to nerd out theologically, but I I see that as foreknowledge. I don't see it as fatalism or determinism. I see it as foreknowledge. God already knew it. He knows the beginning from the end. All time is consolidated, shall we say in one moment with God. 
Your thoughts about me, says the psalmist at the end, are too precious for me to even understand. They're beyond my comprehension. I can't even get it. I'm doing my best to express it. I'm glad he did. They're beautiful words. But if I was going to try to number the precious thoughts you have about me, it would be like numbering the sands on the sea, and we know nobody's going to do it. It's too large. There's too many oceans. There's too much sand. And then he says, when I awake, you're still with me. My mind goes to three things. I remember as a child falling asleep and waking up, and my parents were still there. I remember as an adult numerous times being awfully sick and falling asleep and waking up, and my wife was there. I remember going into surgery and having anesthesia and waking up, and there was the doctor, and there was my wife. When I fall asleep, the psalmist says, I will awake and you will still be there. You never leave my side. Now we could apply that to natural sleep, but we could also apply it to sleep that often is referred to as death because of what we know concerning God's love for us that goes all the way to the living soul. In the, in the last week, we celebrated two lives in this sanctuary that had passed from this life to the other. I, I wasn't there the moment it happened, and had I been there the moment it happened, I couldn't have seen it. Not the way God sees it. But I actually believe what happened is when they fell asleep, they woke up in the presence of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Because I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. So if you takeaways for us... Um, First is this, just, let's just be amazed, shall we? Amazed and overwhelmed by the loving presence of God. Sometimes we feel alone, but we're not. Let's be amazed by his loving presence. Second thing I wish we could do is in light of his loving presence... Can't we just stop being overwhelmed by our own shortcomings and sins and discouragements and weaknesses? Can't we just stop and rest in the grace and the peace of an eternal God? I think God wants us to do that. 
He does search us and know us at the end of the psalm, as the psalmist says. He wants to be searched and to be known. He wants to know the error of his ways. And we know the error of our ways. But the error of our ways can sometimes define us. They should not. We should let them go in the loving presence of a forgiving God. So I, w- I want to end the sermon with another um, suggestion. My suggestion is this, that all of you bow your heads and close your eyes and open your hands. You don't have to do it. I just think it's a good idea. Open your hands and receive the deep love of God as I read this psalm from a different version, which gives a little different light. So let this be our prayer. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know, when I sit down and stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I'm at home at rest. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing upon my head. And such knowledge, Lord, is too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to even understand. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride on the wings of the morning and dwell on the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me. And the light would become night, but... Even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are all the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, you are still with me. O God of grace and mercy, allow these words to be more than a song. Allow them to seep into our hearts by faith. In your name we pray. Amen.